So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life. The only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details. Hello, and welcome to Everyday Connection with your hosts, Rico Shields and Jean Victoria Norlock. Bringing your inner life to your everyday life. Welcome, everybody, to this Thursday edition of Everyday Connection. I'm typing. Oh, well, I was. I'm Rico Shields, and just here to my left, uh, practically right next door, actually, Jean Victoria Norlock. How are you, Jean? I'm doing really well, Rick. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm, you know, been jealous a time or two looking at the temperatures up in the mountain where you are, but... But it's all right. Why? We didn't. Well, because it's been hot here. You know me. I'm oh, always on about sake. it being hot here. Come on. You're, you're ridiculous. You need to stop whining about that. Because um, yeah, it's cold in the morning here now. I I want my hot back. What's wrong with you? Oh, okay. Being jealous of silliness. Well, silliness, I yes. say. No, not really. Why I've just looked at it. Greener? I have looked at it and appreciated memories of my own of times when it felt like that, you know. Yeah. Ha-ha. Ah, yes. It's uh, very fresh in the morning. How is the days. painting? Uh, it's going fantastically well. I'm working on the Phoenix, um, and I've just started adding the uh, pearlized white to the tips of the Phoenix wings. And tails and beak and we will see and um, it's you know it it's it's going to develop itself. Gigantic. So it oh it's so big oh my goodness and now that I'm working ha ha ha. A little less time to put in but not too much. Because because what I do is not enough. I have to get a job on top of it. (laughs) Yeah yeah that's kind of what we've all been thinking. Even even the demon was like, are you sure you're going to be happy doing this? Are you sure sure this is all right? What what are you doing over there? Job. It is okay. This artist. It is okay. Yeah, it's It's, okay. uh, It's okay for now. Um, You had a good. The the people that I work with are very nice, and uh, and and it's not it's not too much yet. So you know, but it means that less time on the painting, unfortunately, because you know, I mean, I was spending hours and hours at a time. Now it's go to work in the morning, come back and eat dinner, then get a couple hours in before the sun goes down. So, um, but it's, it's so relaxing. It's just so nice to come home from, it's so weird to be able to do that, to come home from work and pick up a paintbrush and just meditate my way back into well-being through the painting, through the act of painting. Um, with mountains and trees as as my backdrop, it's 
I, uh, so you've Pascal got, came you, home tonight. Got this heart light anchored in, and now you're you're he, testing yourself on carrying that into the world. Well, yeah. I mean, I really, I was really stunned today. The demon came home early. Um, it's a long weekend, apparently. So. I don't pay attention to these things anymore, but it's a long weekend. So the demon came home early, and um, so we got a chance after I was done work all day to sit out on the deck and just chat before the show tonight. And, you know, at one point I kind of looked at them and I said, how lucky are we, really, that I get to come home at the end of the day from working all day, and this is what I get to do to relax and come down. Like, it's not like I have to go down to my living room or, you know, down anywhere, read a book or watch TV or do something to occupy my mind, I get to just sit and chat with my love. Don't um, have to work at it so hard. And be surrounded. Yeah. And, and, and just well, be you're surrounded living by nature. And you're living it's, a lot of people's vacation, my dear. It's, oh, I'm, yeah, I'm so up in blessed. The, uh, I up really in the mountains am. outside of Sutton. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't, it's just, I, I'm still, I think I'm still in shock. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I think, I'm still, there's still a part of me that's I, just like, wow, did that really happen? I would happen? say you're not, you know, completely anchored in there yet. No, no, but that's okay. I have, have a lot of to get anchored. Still have a little of pinch me going on. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. It's cool though. Um, so, speaking of Canada and wildlife and plants and trees and how lovely it is where you are, we have a guest this evening that knows about loveliness in Canada. We do, and what an awesome guest to to have on in the first month of me being in this new space because there's a million things I'm sure I can learn from this woman. She's really done that journey. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to hearing about several of the subjects that she mentions on blog and and website. So why don't we just go ahead and welcome Dawn Bramadot. How is that last name pronounced, Dawn? Bramadot. Brahmadat. That's, that's the anglicized Brahmadat. version. At one point, it was Brahmadatta Maharaj, but <laughs> it didn't fit into forms. <laughs> yes. They did a lot of that with folks coming across. They did. Most of my cousins lost their O for their O shields and are just shields now. Right. Mm-hmm. How do you lose an O? The people at uh, Ellis Island, for one thing, the, the big processing point at the time in New York, um, if they couldn't quite understand or spell what was told, you know, they said, what's your name? And they were writing it down into little forms, little boxes on forms. That's right, yeah. And so if they couldn't figure out what you were saying after it one or two times, they just wrote down what they thought looked like that, or, sounded or like Smith. that. Or Smith. Yeah, <laughs> or Smith. Or, and, and you also wound up with a lot of people with uh, – President's names, just like the the slaves. Slaves didn't have last names, so you know, mm-hmm. what's your name, Bob? Bob what? And they either wound up with the last name of their owners or the last name of a president, Washington That's Jefferson. Right. Yeah. My mother was a Washington, wow. actually, descended down from Edward. George didn't have any kids. Anyway. That's right, crazy. Okay, so let's. I'm, I'm eating up our. Guests. <laughs> let's back, right. back a second. Yeah. That is amazing. Yeah, weren't Um, we doing an introduction or something, trying to have a radio show? (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like ancestors are important. (laughs) Oh, always. Always and forever. But I bet you know about that, too. So why don't you um, tell us, Dawn, my dear, my sweet earth angel, 
Who the hell are you, and what do you do? <laughs> Boy, do I get asked that a lot. People usually show up at my door not quite knowing why. <laughs> they just know that they've um, that it's time to come see me. Um, there's so many different ways of answering that question, of course. Um, uh, and I'm still... I'm still trying to figure that one out. When I was when I was quite young, very young, um, four or five, uh, I was, I suppose, eccentric would be the word. Um, I I knew prayers in other languages, and I wasn't sure what it was, but it came with images. And later on, I discovered that what I was what I was remembering or what I was um uh what was coming out of me was uh Hebrew and Aramaic. And so I, I knew Hebrew and Aramaic prayers and saw things um that I can only now associate with potentially past life experiences. Um I've had um an inter- very interesting life. I have not had a boring life. <laughs> um, uh, um, I was raised in. I was born in Trinidad and raised in Manitoba. My mother and father were amazingly brave people. My father was a very dark-skinned Indian, and my mother was white. Um, Ina Jean Leary, and. Um, they got together um, in the 50s when that wasn't done, you know, way before, guess who's coming to dinner, right? <laughs> and they, um, they're caring for each other and their love uh, was strong enough to see them through um, living in an extremely white area of the world and... Uh, um, at the same time, uh, I was always very aware of being being different. The only other people of my skin color were the indigenous people, the First Nations people, um, and I felt more akin to them than than anyone else. And later found out why. You know, I um, have very strong. Uh, past life connections to to various parts of Turtle Island, and um, so I never knew why I was so weird <laughs> when I was little. And then when I was ten, um, I had an experience where uh, a light being appeared in front of me. I was having an existential crisis and weeping and weeping and saying to whoever was listening, listen, just just take me, just let me die if I'm not going to be able to help this planet and humanity. There's just so much suffering. Just just take me now, please, if I can't do something. I was already really frustrated. <laughs> and so this being of light appeared, and I didn't know who it was until later again, and found out... Um, later that it was Guan Yin, 
Guanyin is like the it's the the feminine aspect of divinity, but closed in Taoist Taoist um, uh, form. And so I asked. I felt very calm in in her presence, and I said, "Okay, so um, what do I do?" Because what I understood from her was that I should calm down and not worry, and that I would be guided. And so I said, "Okay, so what do I do? Show me, you know, tell me, teach me." And um, there was no response, but a deep faith settled into my bones and has uh, guided me since then. And uh, I was handed off, in a sense, from um, Guan Yin to Tara to um, Mother Mary, and uh, I made my my way through my life um, in in different streams. Um, part of what I've done is um, has come from a feeling that I want to help people retrieve their own power. That started um, as I was working with um, helping set up the first um, centers for victims of rape and sexual assault um, across uh, Canada and, and the U.S. And um, I saw how women, and particular um, First Nations women, were treated. Um, I also, in uh, in university, saw how people were uh, cowed by authority and how people reacted in the face of authority and was really upset about how people how people's um, uh, self-realization is thwarted by the fact that we learn that we need to stay as children and we need to stay in uh, submissive roles to a whole um, series and variety of, of authority figures. Uh, from mommy and daddy to teachers to um, religious leaders to government authorities to bank officials, et cetera, et cetera. And so my first focus was on helping people take responsibility for their physical health and uh, um, learned and then taught um, herbal medicine and various forms of massage and uh, studied naturopathy and um, oriental medicine. And at the same time as I was doing that and teaching as quickly as I learned, I was trying to share what I was learning with people. Um, I was also um, following a, a spiritual vein, trying to figure out how I knew the things that I that I know. Uh, because uh, it, it's kind of a double-edged sword having a clear connection with the history of one's soul. Um, it can be really confusing. <laughs> and plus, everybody wants to know 
how the hell you know <laughs> what you know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, not to mention the responsibilities that that you carry over. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's one of the things that really tends to catch people up. I think is that I've been here and done that, and well, if I've done that this many times, does do I have to do that again? <laughs> you know. So well, a lot of the times you don't really have to do it again, <laughs> and it's and sometimes I think our identities get trapped, you know, and, um, and yeah. it's it's easy to do what we've done before, and it's fascinating to. Um, to delve into everything that we've been and done. But essentially, my belief anyway, is that everything that that we are here to work on is, is here in our lives, that in what we attract to ourselves in our own lives. Um, well, uh, there was a really strong connection that happened after... after um, um, I was working with um with Mother Mary. Um I was I got very ill for a while. And when I came out of that, people started seeing me transform into an image that they recognized as being that of the Magdalene. As I was teaching, they saw this uh image around me or I'm not, you know, I can't explain other people's perceptions, but that's what they they said that they saw a shift, and um, and they saw me uh, as this uh, this energy of the Magdalene. And I was doing a workshop in Costa Rica, and um, sent everybody home. It was a workshop, a women's workshop, and I, I sent everybody back to for lunch actually, and I was stayed alone on the beach. It was after a wonderful meditation that we'd done. And um, all of a sudden, the three energies of Guan Yin and Tara and Mother Mary, it was was as if they were whirling above me and and came into my crown chakra. And I fell to my knees and I felt the energy of Gaia come up and meet in my heart with these other three energies. And I just exploded into light and the words came, uh, this is who you are. And then there was a period of time where all kinds of miracles were happening, you know, waters being cleaned and uh, <laughs> flowering crosses and, you know, nutsy stuff like that. And um, and then, I, you know, I've just continued walking my path since then, uh, kind of quietly. Um, uh, and feel very aligned with with the mission, I suppose, of um, the Magdalene energy, which is rising everywhere on the planet, which is, in my understanding, the energy of the, the feminine Christ, or the feminine faith of, of Christ, which for me, in my understanding, is simply the fully incarnate, fully embodied human. Um, I live on, um, I'm guardian of and live at a place that is very, very special um, at the uh, uppermost, the northernmost uh, 
uh, reaches of the Appalachian mountain chain. Um, it's a watershed place and a place that people have been smart enough to recognize as being um, a special, special place. Um, we call it Heart Root. And um, this is where we continue to, um, to teach a spirituality that's based in, in a connection with the earth. Uh, we do ritual and ceremony based in the equinoxes and solstices and other important um, cyclical points of the year. Um, and Hardwood is actually a place of refuge where <laughs> for decades now I've been walking up to people every now and then, the crazy person that I am, and saying, you know, if you ever need a safe place to be, <laughs> and then giving them the, the information for heart rate. Um, it feels like, it, it feels safe, you know. It feels um, a place that people can nourish and understand and explore their roots uh, and their relationship with their bodies and with nature and with with the feminine in all of its its uh, permutations and combinations. So um, my life has been a lot about um, the exploration and understanding of the feminine in all of its manifestation. That's really what my life has been about and what I uh, continue to to live and teach uh, as best I can. And I feel that this is a real honor in this time now when the feminine is rising to take her place beside the, the masculine energy. As we come to, we've come through duality and we now, I believe, have access to to evolving into oneness, into oneness consciousness. Um. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. Um. Um. I have I have four I have four children. I homeschooled my kids uh, at Hartroot. Um, I've been um, a single mother for quite a long time. Um. Oh, what else can I say? What do you want to know? What else do you want to know? Where do you start? My goodness, where do you start? Um, that? That's a, my goodness, I'm a, I'm a midwife. I'm a midwife also, and that's something I love to do. Um, both helping souls uh, incarnate and helping them leave their bodies. So that that is truly awesome because we need um, we definitely. Need more of that. Um, it, hospitals have made one of the most, actually two of the most powerful moments in human beings' life, birth and death. Um, hospitals have transformed those miracles into cold experiences. Well, in, in, into sickness. They've turned the and, into, into something 
something so and terrifying. I'm, I'm heartened that now in these times and, and, and inspired and uplifted that now in these times, more and more women and men, I have been noticing, are stepping um, into the role of midwife. Mm-hmm. And I've actually heard of men doing it, which is awesome. So I don't know what you would call a man who's who's playing that role of midwife. But um, I think that it's needed. It's needed so that people can recognize that these are natural processes and that they're not scary. We've really turned, and it, I know this from going through my own childbirth, that turned out to be an absolute fiasco. And I have to blame for the most, you know, my body wasn't too happy about doing the childbirth thing, but for the most part, I, I blame the hospital. I think that had I been in the hands of a midwife, it would have gone much smoother and you know it would have been a much more pleasant experience for me. But for me, it was a scary, terrifying, just we, we can't overwhelming bl- experience. We can't blame the hospitals. Um, people who, people who go into the health professions, go into the health professions largely because they've seen or lived suffering and they don't want suffering to happen. And so they, they go into the the health professions largely out of fear of suffering and um, and have to put up huge walls around their hearts in order to to be around the amount of suffering that they that they are around and feeling so terribly impotent. But you see, this whole fear of our bodies, fear of our natural processes, is part of um, the fear that we have of the feminine principle in general. The feminine principle is the earth, our bodies which are made of the earth, um, our mothers. You know, when we're born... um, we incarnate into these bodies and we're totally, totally dependent on normally the woman who's taking care of us, right? The 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 woman who's feeding us. Um, we're totally dependent on her uh, for our continued existence. And so what we learn is that we need this person to love us or we're you know, up a creek without a paddle. <laughs> and so yes. and so what we learn at that point is that we need for the survival of our physical bodies, we need to change ourselves into something that's going to be loved by this woman. Right? And so we learn to smile at the right time, we learn to sleep on you know, and eat when it's convenient, not when our bodies require it. Um, we learn to hold in our peas and poos, and you know, we we, tra- we are trained to do what we need to do so that we can be loved by mommy. And that sets up not only um, a love-hate thing with mommy and with food, by the way, but also this understanding that for the survival of our physical bodies, we've betrayed our souls. We've betrayed our essence. And and so the body becomes all the things that we've learned it is. It becomes a prison. 
It becomes a source of limitation. It becomes what we have to feed and clothe and house. And therefore, we have to kill ourselves in horrible jobs so that we can survive. We've been programmed over generations and generations and generations to survive. And that the body, living in a physical body, being incarnate, is basically a prison sentence. Um, uh, And so many people in, in the spiritual movement are just waiting, just waiting, either for the mothership to come and, and beam us up or for, oh. for for death, you know? Like, like let me out of here. Don't no get me started. No intelligent life down here, you know? Don't and get me started, sister. So I will go ma- for hours. Mm-hmm. So many people in, in who are attracted to spirituality and wide open in the upper chakras are are so because of deep, deep, deep wounding in the three bottom chakras, you know, sex, drugs and rock and roll. <laughs> I, I I still you know, I since you mentioned it, I gotta talk about it since I'm sure that you have some extra added wisdom to add to it. But Rick and I talk about this often, about this very important topic and I think it's you know, it goes back to the name of the show, and that's Everyday Connection. Um, we're here in physicality because we chose to be here in physicality. If we didn't we're want to be... honored to be here in physicality. Yeah, physical well, if we didn't want to be here having this physical experience, we wouldn't be. Mm-hmm. And we talk and, about the, and the, so the spirituality we, folks that act like they're here to learn how to become non-physical. That's right, exactly. And it's, why would you go someplace physical to learn that? I don't see the logic, but... We know how to be non-physical. We're yeah. really good at it. That's right. We've been doing it for millions and millions of years. This is a new game, though, and this is um, a growth process and a learning process, and... Why run away from it? Being fully incarnate, in my understanding, is the is the highest calling, and and the, the Christ experience, what's been called the Christ experience, of fully embodied experience. I, I feel that full incarnation is ascension. That we have in. We incarnate into these genetic swamps (laughs) that have been prepared for us for for generations, for eons, for, you know, all of these bloodlines that have been woven together to create, to culminate in this body, right? This body that each one of us is in. And our ancestors have learned and lived and created their bodies and their lives through belief in duality. It's incredible looking at people's histories and seeing how very particular aspects of duality have been bounced around in 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 people's lineages. And so it's the different people's um stories are all about very 
very restricted aspects of duality, you know, um, city, country, um, intellect versus artist, um, poor versus wealthy, financially, you know, whatever. But there's there's always these particular and, and quite restricted themes of duality playing over and over and over again in, in, in different um, uh, well, in different genealogical trees and bloodlines. And so what we incarnate into, in my understanding, is is what's been prepared for us. It's a state of the art of our lineage's understanding of duality. And then we we incarnate into this prepared understanding. You know, our bodies prepared by beliefs and and the lives. Every cell of our bodies holding all of our ancestors in it. And and then on top of that, from zero to about five years old, we're reprogrammed with the models of our parents and their state-of-the-art understanding of how to survive, right? What we learn from our parents is what they understand is the best way to survive. Um, and... We take in these models just like all animals do, you know, um, chimpanzees and ducks and cockroaches. We we learn very in, in a very, very intricate and precise way how to emulate mommy and daddy. And one of the reasons most of us don't remember um much before the age of five is because we're so busy scribbling it all down in ourselves, <laughs> in our muscles, <laughs> you know, like, okay, this is how this is how I do this, right? Um, and then, um, and then, when we get to puberty, thereabouts, um, we look at our bodies and say, oh, damn. Do I have to be like her? <laughs> and at that point, at that point, we choose which parent we're going to manifest, which one we're going to imitate, and which one we're never, never, never in a million years going to be like, right? And that one we hide inside ourselves. Uh, and we, we choose which parent we're going to imitate based on who we define as having power. And that can be um, intellectual or moral or physical power, but but we choose the parent that we understand has the most power at that point, and we imitate that that model. Um, and then you know, at this point in our story of you know in the story of humanity, where we go from. Um, we don't usually stay with one person all of our lives, right? We have different partners. And we, uh, when we're attracted, when there's chemistry with somebody, um, there's no escaping the fact that that person will be like the parent that we've hidden inside ourselves, right? So that we end up with... Uh, we end up doing the same dance as we saw our, our parents do. And we then, you know, we can be with a few people who are who are like that and be really 
upset that we keep picking the same kind of person and then say, no, I'm not going to do this again. No, I'm going to next time somebody totally different and we attract somebody totally different, but we end up attracting someone who's like what we used to be like and then we get to become the the model that we'd hidden previously. You understand? And so we get to we get to in at this time in, in in our story, in our human story, we get to usually um experience both of our parents' um models, right? We get to see ourselves, if we're lucky enough, doing both of those things. Both of those um roles if you want. The first time that we really have an opportunity to to look at ourselves objectively is around the Saturn return, right? When when classically something happens to dissolve um, our under our solid rock solid understanding of our lives and who we are, and we get a choice of rebuilding exactly along the same lines or um, or reinventing uh, who we are. But the only way, really, of being free of this patterning that comes up from the body, right? It comes up from the body. The only way of of being free of that is to experience the models of both of our parents and then to see them. Previously, uh, until not too long ago, it was considered a, a point of pride to be just like daddy or just like mommy, right? You're going to take on the family business. You learn all the recipes that grandma used to, to make. You know, it was really a point of pride to continue the the what you were bequeathed. But and almost it, to the best and highest honors to the ones that continued it without hardly any change. Absolutely. Who blindly replicated. Did what dad did and did it exactly. better. Yeah, exactly. Blindly replicating, fiercely replicating the parental models, the ancestral models. But um and and <laughs> uh, this is part of the problem with the secret, right? Is that mm. is that we build our ideals of who we want to be and what our mission is and what what our goal is for our lives and what the world should be like. We build those ideals based on what wounded us when we were little. And so our ideals are basically simply isometrically pushing against our wounding. And we're out there in the world working for what we didn't have. And then... We're, it feels like we're sabotaged all the time. It feels like, you know, I want this, but at the same time, you know, my life keeps bringing other stuff to me. You know, I, I, don't, I don't understand it. And yet what's coming up is the program in the body, what's been prepared for us for, 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 for generations. That's what comes up. You know, when we're especially when we're in a corner, when we're stressed and tired and and um 
you know, and, and we feel really cornered, that's when mommy and daddy are going to come up in spades. And so that, you know, it's it's when we become parents in particular and, you know, <laughs> don't have enough sleep <laughs> and, um, and are under stress in, in the couple and that's when we see ourselves saying things and, and doing things that we swore we would never do. And this is this is the those models, those physical models coming up from the body, through the body and 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 manifesting. And really until we look carefully at ourselves and understand how we've manifested both of our parents' models, free will is a joke. It is an absolute joke because we are unconsciously um, continually simply replicating mommy and daddy. We haven't stepped out of our playpen until we do the conscious work of of observing ourselves. And e- each time we we see, you know, each time we we see what we're doing and and say to ourselves, "Oh wow, my mom just came to visit." <laughs> And when we can say that without any judgment, right? When we can say it and go, oh, gee whiz, this is this is what she was feeling when she said those things, or this is what brought my father to doing what he did. You know, we 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 understand our parents from the inside in this way. And and if we can look at it rather than with judgment, but as as something fascinating and and wonderful in a way, right? Um, then each each time we can witness the programming, we separate a little bit from it. We disidentify from it in a way, right? We cut one of the little strings of that identity and we come become a little more free. The the image that I often use is that um we live in these houses full of all of the stuff of our ancestors. And so it's a question of taking everything out, you know? Taking out the carpets and the paintings and all the furniture and the books, everything. Sticking it all out on the sidewalk. And then we turn around and we're facing an empty house, which can be mighty scary, right? Like, who the hell am I? Yeah. You know? But then you get to go shopping. <laughs> yeah, no, well, Jean up there wouldn't know anything about having to pack up the ancestor stuff. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's really, it's really easy, right, Jean? Mm. It's um, piece of cake, just dump it all in the box, it's finished. I think... I think that I've had a very, and, and I'm sure once I've settled down and um, had a little USA time, I will no doubt write about um, write about it. But I've had a very physical representation of that emotional um, conscious yeah. exploration that you're talking about, mm-hmm. and. No, it's it's not anywhere close to easy. Um, it, it it is scary mm-hmm. because 
you have to look at you have to look at the parts of you that have been defined unbeknownst to you That's right. by others That's when right. you have believed almost all of your life that you are a self-empowered individual who is in total control of exactly. their own journey and then to realize that holy sh- you know my journey such as it has been has been for lack of a better word manipulated Program. by program program by the by you know those who have come before me and it's an eye-opening shock to this it can be system. humiliating sometimes. it can be humiliating it can be uh, i liken it sometimes to those dreams um that they write about in the psychology books where you're giving a speech or you're in front of a crowd or you're at an amusement park or someplace with a big crowd of people and suddenly realize that you're naked. Mm-hmm. And um, because it, it's almost like when you finish cleaning out, you you almost have to face the fear of what if there isn't anything in there. That's the belief. That is really the belief that there's nothing in there, right? That we're nothing without our ancestors. Right. Right? And that's that's deeply ingrained in us because we learned so long ago that we cannot survive on our own. And so we need to be acceptable to a tribe, to a clan, to a family, which then became a society and a culture, right? And so if you think of it in that way, all of our social and cultural rules and regulations, eventually, if you go back and back, they stem from the fear of being alone. They stem from fear. They stem from fear, the fear of being alone and not being able to survive alone. And that 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 survival instinct gets intertwined with these stories of our parents. Uh, and and, and by, by story, I mean, too, just the way we saw them live, because mm-hmm. you pick up a lot from that as well as from words, uh, watching patterns, oh, oh, my, most energetic. Of, yes, uh, most of what we're programmed with is, has nothing to do with words. Right. And, and very often the words are in complete dissonance with what we actually learned. Right? And so it's sort of a vibrational thing where we're... Right. We're 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 going to pick up this model that seems to be oh this one seems to work they're well heck they're older than me and they're still alive so let's give this a go and it's to me done, the it's, it's not done consciously you know no, and it, it's, it's uh, somatized I mean it's by definition it's unconscious you know it, we're we're programmed in the same way as soldiers are soldiers are programmed so that. When they're in times of stress and when they need to really just survive, they don't have to think, <clears throat> right? And so right. this is this is how we are programmed, so that that all we don't have to think about the things that 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 were deemed necessary by our parents for survival. They're just automatic, and we think <laughs> that our thoughts are our own. And at the same time, the thoughts that are that are absolutely automatic, that we tend to say, well, that's 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 just me, right? In reality, 
the thoughts that arise in that way are actually how we were we were we were taught particularly the, the automatic things that come yeah uh, it's almost those. like we built in circuits um that we just picked up circuits you know like from okay here's parents framework it's full of all of these circuits uh i don't know if that means it's computerized metaphor or but but you pick up these circuits and then you turn them on and when certain questions or decisions or choices arise in your life, they just get made by this circuit. Like it, it, it and it, yeah, by, and you by see the, it by the program, the program, like the automatic uh, nervous system. And 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 when you see that, it's uh, that that to me is one of those big choice points. Once you see that, of do you decide that you're disempowered because you've and following this circuit, or do you decide that, well, now that I've seen it, I can choose? Exactly. When you can witness it, then you're not in it. As long as can't, you can witness it, you've stepped out of it. Can't see the forest for the trees. Well, so I get out and have a look at the forest, and it it, it changes the whole dimension. Mm-hmm. What, what I was... What I was leading to when I was talking about all of this this business of the programming is that we have um, when parts of our bodies or when um, in our lives we're wounded in some way, not just physically but when we're wounded in some way uh, hurt in some way um, and that hurt feel, seems so big that we just can't deal with it if I have to deal with that, I'm going to die. So, so I'm not going to deal with it right now. I'm going to put it somewhere in my body, and and I will deal with that when I'm big and strong, right? And so, we put that wounding in a logical part of our body, right? And we also inherit woundings, you know, in in this in the genetic swamp, you know, that's been prepared for us, also contains certain um, uh, uh, understanding of parts of the body that where, where, where you don't go. Because that's what we do. We put the, the pain in a logical part of the body, and then we withdraw our attention from there. We withdraw our energy from there. Um, and don't go there anymore, right? Just Just the bare minimum. But we're beautifully made in that when we pull the energy out of a place then you know the blood and lymphatic circulation and the nervous circulation slows down and so toxins begin to accumulate and pain starts to happen and eventually if we don't pay attention to the pain and if we don't suppress it taking all kinds of medications to suppress everything then we get you know more and more toxins we get maybe a growth we when it gets really um obnoxious in there then it's the body surrounds the growth with a with a membrane and then it starts to get really nasty and and becomes cancer or something like that you see so our attention gets pulled into the areas that we've evacuated emotionally um through a series of um, of of symptoms of physical symptoms, and so our bodies 
show us very, very clearly um, the, the learning that we've had and the wounding that we've had and therefore the places where we have to go in order to reclaim full incarnation. That's what I mean by full incarnation. It's living in every cell of your body and very, very... Being fully grounded, some yeah. people might say. Now, this this is going into a whole fascinating area that I want to explore more. Me so, too. Um, we, you know, because I want to hear how do we get, how do you take the next step? So we should take a quick break because I think it's going to get a little more in depth. Um, take a quick break. Play. Have very a nice earth, song, earth prayer. A little earth prayer. And um, and then when we come back, maybe we can talk a little bit about how how we can assist people to get how we, to the at next least step, how we which can is to assist ourselves, uh, or assist ourselves to get to the next step, which is to ground back or to get back into the full body and and to heal those wounds um, and get our uh, you know get our power and our health back because oh my goodness, so many people are struggling with that. So many. And because the templates for these bodies don't... Disease, lack of ease, is not part of the design. Unless you've stuck... Well, it stuck is part some, of the design. Yes, unless you know, you've stuck in something that, in somewhere. That it's, it's, and, and, you know, we, we tend to think of, of physical symptoms as an indication that we've done something wrong. Right? But that's mm-hmm. really not true. No, no. We need to really transform our perception of, of physical symptoms into <clears throat> the fact that when we're when we're ready to look at something, when we've laid the foundation for um, deeper understanding of ourselves, then then our attention is called to certain places in our body that 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 we're ready to to look at. Absolutely. All right, so we're going to take a quick break, folks. Uh, this is Earth Prayer from our dear friend Ina V. Um, and uh, I'll put her website up there. It's inav.com. Uh, go by and check it out because the song's 99 cents and the money goes to some really great causes that uh, are represented by the song. So we'll be back in about uh, five minutes. Stay with us, folks. Give me 
everybody that's why well, I was I can get lost in that song so it's hard to catch the end it is indeed easy to get lost in that song in fact I think I do it every time ah yes 
posted a photo or something on Facebook today, and somebody commented that uh, oh, it was a mother and child said their happiness is contagious. And so I, I commented back, "It's okay to catch it." <laughs> That's a contagion Indeed. I'll put up with. <clears throat> Indeed, it is. Absolutely. I don't know contagions and bodies, and it just came to mind. No doubt, no doubt. So, Dawn. Yeah. Taking taking the next step, I guess, is conscious recognition that illness or some illness and some bodily, you know, dysfunction, if you want to call it that, although it's... It's a valid function, really, when you think about it, because it's, well, yeah, I mean, you can't really call it a dysfunction because it's a a valid function when it protects the heart and the spirit um, from total breakdown. But chronic pain can can, can be very destructive, and and especially long term. It's not part of the, unless you're, you know, ignoring things. It's not really part of the, you know, the the you can get used to the check engine light in your car and drive right until that engine seizes up and, you know, maybe you needed a few hundred dollars worth something or even maybe just an oil change and now you need a whole new engine because you broke it. That's exactly, that's a very good analogy. And the analogy extends to the fact that we take our cars to the garage Right, rather than working on it ourselves. Right, we can't fix that. Exactly the same, exactly the same attitude towards our bodies as some kind of mysterious machine that we know nothing about, and that we have to take to professionals (laughs) in order to get fixed when they break. Damn it! Damn it! It broke. It broke. (laughs) Right. I I must go now. Temples of healing and see the healing priests, and uh, I think culturally, or at least for me, there was a grand recognition there one day when I realized that, okay, so priests, priesthood, temples, okay, temples are all they share similar designs. The priests wear usually special outfits. Oh wait, that sounds like hospitals and doctors, and oh wait, because it really sort of is in a way. It's very scientific, but it's 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 yeah, really no different was, going to see the witch doctor and saying I'm I'm broken. Well, it's also what I was saying before about various forms of authorities that we're encouraged and taught and programmed to um to obey. You know, we we are really um in many different ways um uh, encouraged to remain sheep, right? Very obedient um, servants. Uh, sorry, service. I was thinking civil, c- civilians, ob- obedient civilians. Mm-hmm. Yes, well, citizens. You look at the industrial. Servants is a good word. <laughs> and 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 what what does a society in the throes of the industrial revolution need? It needs good, Slaves. quiet, hard workers. Slaves who don't know they're slaves. Right. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And that's why I didn't send my kids to school. I didn't want them to learn how to be um, factory workers, how to salivate when the bell rang. Huh. I've even had recruiters corporate when I was in the corporate world or running around the peripheries thereof um, tell me that, you know, we don't really care so much what your degree is in. We just want to know you can sit still for four years and earn one. Yeah, exactly. And and, and that was an eye-opening statement when you really think about it. Mm-hmm. That yeah. many times that is exactly what they're looking for. Um, Obedient. Is, yeah, you mm-hmm. jumped through the hoops, and it was a long set of hoops with lots of temptations and diversionary tactics. And and it's just long enough to keep you out of the the workplace, right? <laughs> and See, and now, now I know. Yourself. Now I know why the headhunters never came knocking on my door because I I've never been very obedient. Uh-huh. And, right. Um, <laughs> that just wouldn't have worked out so well. And well, there's goats and there's sheep, right? <laughs> yeah, there's always there's always goats in the crowd. And yeah. I have a beard. That's right. Yes. <laughs> the bearded lady. Goats are wonderful, but you can't control them. <laughs> and 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 it seems to me that the new generation, the the new little ones coming in, seem to be much more goat-like. Absolutely. They're Absolutely. just. They're wonderful. We have this pair of, I guess they're seventeen now. Jana and Genevieve have had a birthday. But it's uh. It, it's a, had them on the show, what, three, four times? 16-year-old twins. Mm-hmm. They've got a video series about uh, ascension of, you know, okay, this week was really weird, you know. It's almost, I love to watch their videos, but a lot of the references, I have no earthly idea what they're talking about, I'm sure. But, um, And they just, you know, gosh, I was at school today, and this one teacher was just, I mean, I walked in the room, and it was like, ah, <laughs> And and it, so it is. It's like they come with this sensitivity and are keeping it. Uh, and uh, I like to think that we're assisting and allowing them to do that because, to some extent, some of this programming that you're talking about it, it's almost to me like if you're going to transform something, you have to. You can't transform your father's dysfunction. So it almost has to become your dysfunction if you're to be able to precisely so you transform see, it and release exactly. it. Exactly. So you see, as we as we um, recognize and observe without judgment the programs that were bequeathed to us, as we release them, we are liberating all of our ancestors. They, this is what they have. They lived their lives for. I, I really believe in the in the um, uh, the the Jewish um, idea of tikkun olam, the healing of the world, the healing of duality, and I think that this is the time that 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 we're doing it, and and as we release the the belief in suffering, the belief in separation, the belief in the body as being limitation in some way, 
which is really essentially what we've we've inherited, right? That's that's the is essence of the duality that we've inherited. As we release that, we accomplish what all of our ancestors were were incarnate for. They didn't suffer so that we would suffer. They suffered for this time now when we release the belief in suffering and separation and step into full incarnation into that Christ state and and we are freeing the earth as well as our ancestors because when we can no longer believe in the earth um, our bodies the feminine principle um, as being somehow separate and less than than spirit and the masculine principle then we 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 join those those two aspects the masculine and the feminine incarnation is the joining of spirit and matter in 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 sacred marriage and so we are now it's so exciting we are now stepping into this time in in the the story of of the planet and and of humanity I think that this is this is the 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 honor, the destiny, the mission of human beings is to join heaven and earth uh, in a conscious way and to birth the child of that union, which is oneness. Absolutely, it. I find it to be an an incredibly exciting. Honor, really. Absolutely, to be incarnate here. To now. be here now, Whoa. and and uh, and even it, it gets silly after a while to people when we talk about it, I suppose. But even even to the point of blessing all of the quote unquote difficulties that I've had in my life, because now I can greet them and as the messengers that they are and like pain in the body it's just a messenger absolutely it's really just a red flag hey over here i would not be <laughs> you I left a sandwich on the counter today. and it's going bad <laughs> type thing i would not be where i am today i would not be who i am today i would not have discovered the truth of who i am if not for all the things that i have been through all the losses and all the challenges and and all of that, and how can I not be grateful? And which is not to say that they haven't caused me pain and sorrow over the years. Of course, you know, with each loss, I've suffered the feelings of loss. But that's part of the experience as well. And if you can look at it as something that you can learn and grow from, and if you can embrace the experience in the moment you're having the experience and then find a way to let it go, then it becomes a gift and not a burden. Part of the feminine principle is the aspect of receiving. And part of receiving is receiving life as it is, right? We, we hear a lot about unconditional giving, but we don't hear the the prerequisite to unconditional giving, which is unconditional receiving, and that's a lot harder to do. 
unconditional receiving is breathing in life every every millisecond of it as a gift and that's what allows us to then give eventually to give unconditionally we learn that it's um you know good and uh, wonderful to to give and so and we also learn that we're weak vulnerable and fragile and indebted when we receive that's basically all the things that we learn in parenthetically that's what we learn about the feminine in general right and so we walk around energetically with our left hands closed tight in a in a ball and our right hands open to give and yet we're given with a hook you know because in this in this stance we're always giving so that we feel better about ourselves so that we feel we deserve to live and that we you know that we're we know inside ourselves that we're good people whereas if we open the left hand which is the the feminine side of ourselves the receiving side and we consciously receive life unconditionally we just we're just like any any plant you know we receive and receive and receive until until we just burst open and and manifest ourselves just like any seed when it's given all the nutrition that it that it needs it just simply our hearts burst open and 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 we we self manifest it's, it's that's what unconditional giving is and it comes from unconditional receiving which is what you were talking about receiving every breath every instant of our lives as a gift gratitude transforms our state more than anything else which is not to say sorry which is not to say that if if something happens that tears at your heart and makes you sad it's it's okay to be sad. I mean, if there's a loss in your life that's caused you sadness and sorrow, then that's okay. Why wouldn't it be? But because people, when they hear, I, I've, I've run into this so often, mm-hmm. they hear this idea of being grateful for the challenges that we have in ah, life as I well see. as gifts. As ah, and they perceive that this means that they have to not allow no, themselves no, no. to feel no, the emotion. It, no, yes. what it means is what it means is thank you for this experience which has lifted out of me a sadness that was there. I wouldn't have attracted this experience to myself if I did not have something within me that I that I need to see and understand in order to understand my wholeness, understand all of who I am. And, and wouldn't you say that when you were talking earlier about recurring patterns of, you know, say being in exactly. multiple relationships, but they all sort of seem to turn out the same, right. uh, it's that's sort of like the sore foot that keeps getting sore exactly. and you don't do anything about. Exactly. It's just there saying, hey. <laughs> that's right. That's this right. Is, Our emotions could you are fix an indication. This? Yes. Our emotions are an indication of a dissonance between who we are and what we learned we are. Our emotions 
our dissonance between who, what our essence is and what we learned we are. And so our emotions are wonderful indicators of where we have to look to, to release what we learned and liberate um, our, our essence. You know, it's like it's like making a a herbal decoction. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it it um, it's been something that uh, that I've talked about and Nestor's talked about, and uh, you know, it's like people talk about soulmates, and they go, "Yeah, I was sure that was my soulmate, but man, the issues that we had." Well, if they're your soulmate, there's going to be issues. Who else would you trust to? poke at one of your original wounds mm-hmm. so that you can see it and transform it, but somebody that you love and trust. And you go, well, but yeah. how could that be my lover if they're poking at my wound? And Well, because they're telling you to put some salve on it or something. Well, the thing is, is that, you know, chemical attractions to people, you know, when when you've got all of that effervescence, happening um it, it you know nature <coughs> is going to attract a red-faced baboon to another red-faced baboon right and so when there's chemistry it's nature's way of saying that this person is going to put you deep into all of your doo-doo <laughs> <laughs> chemical chemical love that kind of you know adolescent falling in love is is falling right back into the genetic swamp so that you can you know live all of the the the, the wounding over again till you eventually see it chemical love is always neurotic meaning that it's it's always referencing our wounding and and the chemistry is there so that we get sucked into it <laughs> <laughs> and get to you know so so that we're in you know to with both feet <laughs> sunk right. in up to our waists <laughs> so to speak um before before we know what's happened and then you know slog our way through it or or run <laughs> and oh the now see there goes a song one of Jordan's songs. He has a song entitled "When We Run," and it's mm. it's a song all about that the 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 days, the times, when we run are over. Mm-hmm. And uh, a very interesting song from was he seventeen or eighteen when he wrote it, Gene? Yeah, he was young. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, yeah. these these kids today. The new ones, the really new ones, yeah, coming in are really, really something. Wow! Some of those little wow. Look at them, baby's the... eyes these yeah. days. Holy crap! You can have a conversation, an entire lifetime of conversation in like five minutes, just looking into those eyes. It, it's crazy seeing some of these kids that are are being born now, and just it. I'm, wow! That's all I can say is wow. Something's coming. There's two. There's two Hebrew prayers that are coming up to, to me right now. One of them is is called the Shehehiyanu, 
And this is a, a prayer of, of thanksgiving that said, um, when it, it's a prayer of thanksgiving for having arrived at a certain place and time. And I, my very liberal translation of it is um, for all of the um, people and situations, for all of the difficulty and suffering for all of the blessings and miracles that have brought me here to this day as I am. Thank you. And it's, uh, it's, I think that that is a prayer that um, the spirit of which um, it behooves us <laughs> to, to, to keep close to our hearts. Huh? And then the other one is a prayer that said, actually, by um, by Orthodox Jews in the morning. And again, this is my very loose translation. But um, for the for this spirit, flame of the one source, source of so much pain and so much joy, for this spirit. I give thanks for this body created from the earth and by my ancestors, for this body source of so much sorrow and pain and so much joy. For this body I give thanks for the dance between them that is my life. I give thanks. Isn't that beautiful? Amen. Absolutely. Absolutely. Stunning. Well, can I hang up now? Yeah. (laughs) We can just go ahead and close out the show, refer everybody back to that recording, and you'll be done. (laughs) I want to think. Can I say something first? Yes. Yeah. Um, That, uh, you know, in talking about how to to do this process of of going into your body and living in in your body when everything around us um tries to to get us to stay in our heads right um when uh, uh, i guess it was maybe a year ago maybe 2 years ago i've totally lost track of time but I was inspired to do a series of visualizations that help people do exactly that. You know, um, voyage in the body and encounter the different um, places of of wounding and of and of exhilaration, right? And so, um, if people go to either the teachings that I put on a on a WordPress site or if they go to the Heartroot website, um, they can listen to the visualizations in French or in English, um, download them on an MP3, they're free, um, and this is um, something that I really felt strongly about putting out there in the world just to, to help as much as possible people come back into their bodies, and it's my way of um i guess furthering the furthering the um 
the acceptance and understanding of the divine feminine in the world. It's absolutely lovely. Now, if you could tell our... Putting up the links in the chat room. So I was going to say, Jane, go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) If you could tell our listeners um, exactly what those links um, and websites are, because yeah. not everybody listening will have access to yeah. sure. to the actual visual elements of yeah. our show. Podcast listeners. Okay, so it's yeah. um, www.dawnbramadat, that's my name, right? Dawn Bramadat, dot wordpress.com. And that's uh, a blog format of the teachings um, that I teach. And um, you'll see that one of the options is visualizations. And uh, you click on that and you go to French or English. And there's ten, a series of ten visualizations. Um, they do go from the least complex and demanding to the more complex and demanding uh, in terms of energy and frequency. But um, you don't necessarily have to follow the, the order. Um, go go where you're guided. So that's... Um, and, and also the teachings that um, that I do, are I tend to put on, on that site also. And then the site for... For Heartroot is www.heartroot, H-E-A-R-T-R-O-O-T, one word, dot com. And I'm actually on the site now for our listeners. Um, If you're looking for the visualizations, if you go to the teachings tab, you'll have the option for the um, 10 visualizations uh, for times of transition. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, on the Heartroot site just so that people know um, where to go. But there's so much to see on that site. Um, so I, I encourage the, our listeners to take the time to go there when you have time to peruse it. Yes, and, uh, we're going to have to have Donna come back. Uh, I think so. As well, Absolutely. because I really would like love to uh, have a show where we uh, talk about permaculture. Oh. Um Permaculture really rings my bell. I should right. just one way I could put it. Floats uh, your boat. Floats my boat. It. Um, I live in an apartment, so I. <laughs> I, I have limited, uh, but I t- try to take advantage of you know what limited things I have uh, uh, as far as living things right close to me. But. Mm-hmm. Um, per- permaculture is is a way of being. It's a way of being and a way of being with mm-hmm. the land as opposed to being on or about or yeah, it, it's it, being in interdependence with all, all because with the per- permaculture world. doesn't just it makes the people healthier because of the the fresh food that they're eating. Mm-hmm. But it makes the land healthier. Yes, but but permaculture taken in in a broad sense is also about the interdependence of of humanity as part of our earth family. Right. It it's really the understanding of the indigenous people put into language that's more acceptable. <laughs> well, and, and perhaps more accessible too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um 
you know, I often find that with Nestor and other things that certain words just, you know, push people's buttons. And sometimes the easiest ways to get around it are to use a different word. Yeah, that's part of the challenge that I that that I, I'm undertaking in 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 the writing that I do, um, on, particularly on the blog, in that that I'm attempting to put into words that don't sound too woo woo, you know, um, the experiences that that more and more people are having, so that they don't feel like they're flaky, you know. And they don't feel like they're they're nuts. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, right. Absolutely. There's. Yes. I, I have said for a long time uh, that there's tremendous value in that mm-hmm. because some of the starting off, you know, realizations and things can seem a little different. Um. And I've just known so many people that are just comforted to know that somebody else doesn't think they're crazy. Exactly. <laughs> it's that whole I found my tribe thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and when it's but, when <clears throat> when there's not the jargon, you know, there there's every elite has its jargon, right? Sure. And 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 I find that the spiritual community has a certain jargon that keeps other people alienated. And so um, I, I try not to use that jargon as much as possible to to be more permeable, you know? Yes, be more... I completely hear what you're saying. I, I find the same challenge in my writing when I write about, when I write about certain experiences. I definitely try to shy away from words like enlightenment, um, and uh, even Ascension, even the word light worker, mm-hmm. even the word light worker, I tend to shy away from. Um, I I just Baggage. want to encourage people to recognize the fact that we are all capable of this connection and this this ability to be a blended being. So you know, I don't want to put labels on it because it it seems to cause division and no and give it make this it separate. mysterious you know image and it's, there's nothing mysterious about it it's it's people the most that, natural state in the world people get that well, my life's know, they, not spiritual enough thing going on oh wow it, well, it it couldn't be otherwise you're a spiritual being so get over it the, the irony of what you just said, Jane, is that you said it's. Did I say Jane? I meant Jean. Um, when you said that the most natural thing in the world is that what is natural is some of the most misunderstood and and frightening things to people. See what I mean? You know, like our bodies and um, you know when people come out to Hartroot often um, from the city. They can be really freaked out by the lack of lights and by the lack of noise. <laughs> you know, the 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 nat- and and by the way, our relationship with nature is absolutely congruent with our relationship to our bodies. And so, what is quote unquote the most natural is also the most scary. It is the feminine aspect of ourselves and our lives. And it's what we uh, it's 
where we are bravely going, you know? It's yeah. Where no man has gone before. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So true. Well, well and, we are, um, and a little of that whole uh, back to the garden metaphor thing. But anyway, um, we are at our designated hour our time. and a half or <laughs> hour or time, that weirdness time. Uh, so I guess this is calendar time. Yes. Next week. And I'm uh, willing to – oh, he's prepared. Yeah. I believe it. I, I have the calendar open and everything. Um, I'm trying to be better. You know, my partner ran off and Jeez, left. Jeez, I should have gone back to work months ago. And, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, thanks there. No. Um, <laughs> we have Gage Tarrant coming on Tuesday. Who has some uh, exciting um, tech that she uses uh, together with her counseling. And uh, uh, I think that's going to be... It, it's actually... Finding some acceptance in the medical community now, the work that they they're doing, and um, which is just really a earth shifting thing. So excited to hear about that! And then uh, we have Shanti Ma, the peace mother, that will be with us on Thursday as we continue uh, our divine feminine tour. Tis the time. What a month! What a month! Oh my goodness! Yes, indeed. Stacy Kerchival will be with us the following Tuesday. So, wow! <laughs> Don't worry, folks. We'll rate that one R. Yeah, well, <laughs> R is in real because boy, she the professors pulling punches mm. not so much. They just you know. No holds barred there. It's going to be a highly entertaining show. I am sure. Always a wonderful show, and she's she's got all sorts of Absolutely. new friends, uh, new stuff she's doing. So fantastic! Fun. Again, everybody, John, what an honor so and a privilege. Thank you. We have would you love to have you again to talk about some of the uh, uh, sort of the healing of the earth and our relationship to it is the healing of ourselves in the uh, permaculture stuff. That would be wonderful. Uh, again, folks, go visit it. Uh, uh, the easiest one to find is heartroot.com, uh, and you'll find a link there uh, on the right side to Sister Blog that will take you to, to Dawn's WordPress.com blog. Uh, and we'll have the links on the archive up here in a couple hours. So, thank you. Wonderful weekend, everybody. Uh, I think we're having a full moon tomorrow, so howl if you feel the calling. And uh, oh. <laughs> join us on Tuesday with uh, our guest Gage Tarrant. And until then, stay connected. Good night, everybody. Night, night. We hope you'll join us again next time. Until then, visit our website at everydayconnection.me. And please like our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Everyday Connection. Think you might miss an episode? No problem. Subscribe to our show on iTunes by searching for Everyday Connection Radio. Subscriptions are free, just like your Everyday Connection.
ready to ask the biggest question of your life. The only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details. So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life. The only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details.